fluoride fluoride free water filter. I don't know. Um, it didn't come for Christmas for me. It was very sad. But you have one here. He's not based. But yeah, I um, there uh, there's actually doesn't seem to be that many options for like a pitcher filter that does uh, that filters fluoride. Um, so the one that I found was like that clearly filtered. Mm. And so I got it. Um, I can let you know how it goes, but I am a little concerned um, about the possibility of like regaining some IQ points. Yeah. Um, I was thinking like I would give you an IQ test today and then like, we'll give you the same test in six months and we'll just like, see if like, you know, um, but I actually didn't get around to like designing an IQ test. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know, even before we begin, I should tell you, like, I'm brain damaged now, unfortunately, um, my producer, my producer who I live with and am married to, um, accidentally left like some plastic uh kitchenware on the stove last night. We didn't really notice it for like, <laughs> five minutes, and it and there was a smell. It's raining here, so the windows were shut, and all of a sudden, you know, like just pink elephants dancing leprechauns. I was like, something's not right. Um, and yeah, it was just like some light polyvinyl chloride or whatever it's probably not as bad as whatever is going on in east palestine but definitely i feel the toll on me i feel uh chemically addled and not in a fun way it's it sucks <laughs> in solidarity with east palestine exactly i'm i'm cracked out on spatula fumes uh in solidarity with east palestine and um and with in solidarity of uh low iq moron welcome <laughs> to the show you're I mean, I presumably your backstory is, I guess, some brain damage. I don't know. <laughs> low IQ. How did you become so low IQ? Oh, uh, I don't know. I get. I mean, I'm a stoner, um, and I don't know. I was just like, I don't know. Even really, I, honestly, I just think the phrase "low IQ" is like funny. Like that's all <laughs> it's hilarious, and then moron as well. So. It's it's hilarious and not even really apt because you are a, a man of great intellect, a great genius, many skills and many, uh, many prof- not professions, maybe as much as just like I, you're a jack of all trades. I suspect I, I don't even know you that well, but I have some inklings and I do know you somewhat. And I feel uh, very excited to learn about some of those um, those hidden talents, perhaps even here uh, at Low IQ Moron from the successful hit podcast thoughts and prayers the like the vanguard i have to think of it as like a vanguard um like a hard-hitting news driven like like i was telling you it's a very agenda driven like program like a was asking me like what's going on with this episode and i was like i i don't know i thought you would actually tell me to be honest i was like oh, i finally have a producer i did it yeah no i don't know we don't really i don't know i mean twitter whatever that's where we get but it's a lot of times it's like I can't even bring myself to talk about like what the Twitter discourse would have us talking about. Probably a wise decision. I feel like um, even actually before we go into that, I'd actually have some questions about the Thoughts and Prayers podcast that I I didn't even get to asking uh, your co-host Q about. But before that, I actually have an important question, which is like, where were you on 9-11? Oh, right. Um, I just have to know. It's important. Yeah, well, I can assure you that I was not um, involved with any, like, directed energy weapons research. Um, hmm. but what about not that that's related in any way, but 
I don't know. This is a really sus answer. And I've had like other, I, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but I have had actual Muslims on this show who maybe have something to like worry about with this question. I'm kidding. I'm kidding to my beautiful uh-huh. listeners, but, um, Oh I yeah, but even at that. Well, you weren't at. You didn't do nine eleven. I guess I'll ask, I'll ask you that way. Did you do nine <laughs> eleven? Um. Well, I, I mean, I can also add this that, like, um, the president at the time, George W. Bush, I was also in a school um, at the time that the attacks were happening. So. Interesting. Well, this is as, this is a lot more questions. I didn't really come to like learn where you were on 9-11 explicitly. That really isn't the point of this show or interview. But now I have some questions. And um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the man who did 9-11, A, welcome to the podcast. Here comes the backlash. Uh, I'm your host, Poolhouse, just like hanging out with you. <laughs> it's good. Um, it's good to be uh, talking to you. I, yeah, I just so I had your co-host, Hugh, on. I didn't intend for you to be back to back i've had a i want to say like a plague or rash of cancellations um but i've had some cancellations cancellations unfortunately and i was like i don't know i don't know it's either really flattering or it's really really bad like either the show is so unlistenable it's so embarrassing like they're like no i will not i can't even i cannot even appear for the free publicity i will not even go to pool house's podcast or it's like why i mean or the, the other thing i can take is they're just too intimidated but i just i don't see that this is just a lowly soundcloud ghetto podcast you know how do you deal with cancellations has anyone ever canceled on you um I don't think anyone's ever canceled on us per se. Um, that <laughs> but, never, like never. Well, that that one dude. Um, uh, I feel like I can say this because he's doesn't give a fuck. But that guy, um, Perry Abasi or whatever. The oh, yeah. Did you vote for him today? I was going to ask you that too. Did you have a chance to vote for him? I I didn't. I I. Yeah, I didn't even know that that was today, but um, I spiritually I voted for him. But um, did he? So he blew off thoughts and prayers. Is that true? Uh, well, he he like retweeted one of our tweets or something, and and we we like replied like, "Yo, you should come on the podcast." And he was like, "For sure, man." And then we like tried to make it it happened and it didn't work out but anyway that's the closest thing <laughs> i feel like what needs to happen well obviously we're gonna have to troll him and like kind of smear his good name unfortunately but i do believe perry's a good man and i think we can broker a deal i think it's possible but first we have to spiritually annihilate him unfortunately <laughs> no hard feelings perry but um you know hopefully he wins that election and it won't matter he will he can just retire from twitter and focus on at least I, he's he's probably gonna win you do you i don't know if you really were around on twitter i don't think you were like kind of birdie bro era twitter but like uh, there were some really sus dsa people that ran like there were like twitter like posters and they like ran these sus campaigns that like took so many people's money like way bigger grift than like, the real bernie sanders and then just like posted like shit posted their way through this like election um there's yeah there's some really awful people that i can't stand and they did that and so like they did it wrong i think this guy has a chance i don't know that's my thought yeah i mean honestly i don't even really know what his deal <laughs> is or anything but i feel like he'd be funny to talk to so well, I think, well, yeah, I think just in the interest of Chicago arts, politics, culture, like it just, it'll happen. I think 
Uh-huh. I'll, I'll get involved. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, put, it, put in a word for us, Full House. Uh, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of your pod, and I think it's awesome. I think you've had some heavy hitters on here, Thank to be you. frank. So um, I'm honored to be um, lumped in with that that crowd. Come on. I feel like it is, I still feel a little chip. Well, I'll tell you this. It's funny because I had been uh, inkling and I've been edging basically to do a podcast. I've been edging toward one. That's I think the proper verb you would use. Uh, and I was like, for a while I had, I mean, I, this goes way back. I've actually done, there's actually a few backlash radio episodes in a certain uh, Bay Area college radio archive that you can find uh, as a guest. I was not a part of the station, but was a part of a uh, month of mayhem. Spectacular. It was an annual tradition for a couple of years, but that's, um, that's a nugget for the investigators. Uh, but my real point for bringing that up was, yeah, there's been a long flirtation with uh, bringing the zine, this long, this cherished beloved uh, project of mine to the airwaves. And like, it kind of, kind of started to, come together i had a few demos let's call them of like this uh from the fall but was like eh, i don't know and then one day a just reaches out to me out of the blue like really out of the blue like wait no we talked and i fall i was a fan of the show but it was kind of surprising i did not feel like i was positioning myself to be a podcast guest in any in any real sense and a just reached out and it was very uh, touching and it was really fun. I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of fun doing it with, with you guys. And I think, um, unfortunately you're kind of responsible for this in, in a way. I feel like you are, you are the executive producer of this program. Um, so like, welcome to your show. It's, it's good to have you. All right. And I will accept that title um, in exchange for some portion of any um, profits. Once you <clears throat> become the next Alex Jones. We can fight over that later for sure. But I, I mean, yeah, we'll, of course, we'll keep it all in the family. Uh, I think, yeah, Alex Jones, you know, Alex Jones is, I followed Alex Jones for a long time. When did, were you, I'm guessing like, well, I mean, I don't take him seriously, but like I've been a fan of Alex Jones since the Bohemian Grove. I remember watching that shit on YouTube, like in grainy, grainy footage of maybe not even YouTube. It may have just been like a video file or something. Um, did you like, I don't know. What's your, what's your thoughts on Alex Jones? Just what's your life story with him? <laughs> I'm struggling to even really think of, I mean, of course I must've known who he was, um, but I didn't really know much about him until, you know, my whole like red pill journey, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's an interesting figure. I, I don't, I have like mixed feelings because part of me wants me to, wants to be sympathetic to him because I think he honestly, at, at one point in his career did a lot of good work, um, and is like kind of, or at least was at one point, like one of the, the good guys, um, it seems like, but yeah, now I, I think he's kind of fallen in, uh, you know, of course, who knows like how it all goes down or whatever, but seems to be playing kind of a controlled opposition role, like the mm-hmm. crazy conspiracy theorist mixing in like real, you know, shit that's going on. That's fucked up with more like out there stuff to make it seem like anyone who's questioning like these narratives is just like a nutcase, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the the QAnon treatment kind of. Right. Like, yeah. Although, you know, Alex Jones was deplatformed before all of that. They like got him um, pretty early. I think it was 2018 when this first kind of new censorship regime kind of like rolled out, I feel. Yeah. Uh, 
he yeah. got it off Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah. And he did. I think you're right about like, I call it counter narrative, like TM sort of in the, uh-huh. the Neobactrian style, but like kind of uh, like this, yeah, controlled opposition, like a formal, uh, a formalized version of like the uh, dissident truth or whatever, you know, like kind of like the mat- stage managed kind of outside the box thinking where you're allowed to kind of go this far, but we're still going to somehow have like hooks in you. Um, I know. What are your thoughts there? Like, I feel like, that's something I've always been aware of and it's dangerous because you can really easily slip into a super paranoid, you know, kind of uh, mentality and think everyone is controlled opposition. Um, but I think I'm back to it. I think you're right. I think Alex Jones is kind of part of this thing. He may not even realize how much of it he's in that, in that position. You know, I think a lot of these people are useful idiots. Um, but I don't, how do you discern, like, how do you, how do you discern counter narrative TM from like actual truth? Um, It's, it's difficult. Sorry, I'm trying to get rid of these goddamn notifications. Um, I, I mean, I feel like you're someone who's um, Jesus. Um, Wait, what are the? Not- I'm just curious. Any good notifications? Like, I, I just am nosy. No notification. Notifications. Good notification. I worked on a notifications team once. It was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, so yeah, it's an interesting question. One that I struggle with, and I think everyone probably should struggle with to some degree. Um, I think the main thing is you just have to be skeptical of everything kind of, and then just kind of take in the information that you're getting from all sides and, and see how it plays out over time and see like what, um, ends up and, and kind of matching it up against like your lived experience of like what's happening, you know, um, like they're telling you vaccines are safe and effective when every vaccinated person, you know, has gotten COVID, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's funny. I'm on this line of questioning. This is no, this is on the line. I actually, I have an agenda. Like, hey, you'll be very like. <laughs> well, there's it doesn't show up. But so. uh, but specifically with regard to Alex Jones, like there's some like the um for example, just as an example, like the whole trial thing was so suspicious to me on a number of levels, and mm-hmm. so you know what I mean, like um if he was really like if he was really like the real deal, right, and like wanted to bring to light like what he viewed as the truth about sandy hook or whatever a trial would be a great opportunity to do that you know what i mean (laughs) if you were in a real courtroom i followed the trial a little bit the district of columbia uh don't get charged there is my advice to everyone i don't think it's part of this country anymore i'm like literally serious i think district of columbia uh much like uh, londinium or uh like what you call it vatican city they're kind of like city states uh it, there's something going on there legally. I don't know, but they don't have, they like, he, he was like actually not allowed to say a lot of things like in the trial. The judge was, it was a very political trial as well. Say, um, I believe the lawyers who swooped in to be like, Hey, Sandy Hook families 10 years later, like, don't you feel sad about um, what Alex Jones said? Shouldn't we sue him for like a billion dollars? Those were all like Clinton attorneys. Those people were all political operatives. This whole thing was, and I see it as an extension of PolitiFact or like these uh, fact checking organizations, trusted news type things. It's a legal Legal, a lawfare arm of it. It's like to go in and enforce this and to find ways. If you're going to have the stupid First Amendment, we're going to find ways to like kick at it until they can fucking destroy it. 
in the courtroom legally, which is their wet dream. Right. And then there was the whole thing where they didn't even really have a trial and they they uh, basically did a default judgment against him, which means that like basically they said he didn't comply with discovery, meaning he didn't provide them with certain documents or something. The other side, you know, the other side with documents and um but typically, you know, in most cases, that would not result in an automatic default like that, where you just lose the whole case and have to pay a billion dollars. <laughs> so for saying something on the radio, like yeah. I mean, I've heard FCC fines, but this that's not what this was. And it's um, it is I found it dark. And I think I think it was that trial or a similar one where one of the jurors was basically like, oh, couldn't we, like, they were like excited. Like, could we, it was this one. It was, it was the second round because there was a previous Alex Jones verdict. Then there was the most recent time he got sued for the same thing for the billion dollars. And one of the jurors was like, oh, could we use this, like, basically like, against Trump? Like, can we be using this, like, in other political, like, situations? Like, they enthusiastically asked that in the courtroom during, the, like, the post-questioning after the case was over. Like, kind of chilling. So, yeah, like, and that's who your jury pool is in the District of Columbia. So yeah, again, not I would not want to be charged in a federal uh court. I don't think the courts are real though. I'm like, I'm trying to learn about all this stuff and they're real, obviously, but there's there's something going on with the entire legal framework in well, this country. Federal court. I mean, they're all corrupt in their own ways. Um, and especially for like a high profile case like that. Um, but yeah, like the federal court system is is completely corrupt because you have to do favors, you know, for, I mean, you get, they're all appointed by the president. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. And there, yeah, I, that whole thing, I didn't, I didn't bring you on to turn this into a lawfare podcast. You seem like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we should dive down it sometime, but like, I don't know. Well, I'm not going to ask if you're an attorney. That's rude. But like, I'm going to just assume you are in my mind. And so you're also not just my, you're not just my, yeah, my producer. You're now uh, my executive producer. Excuse me. I have a, a, I have a home producer, obviously, (laughs) a live-in producer, but you're the executive uh, producer and um, Esquire, you know, attorney for Backlash Communications. Perfect. I will direct the inquiries to you (laughs) as they start to come in. Um, Okay, I have a real question for you. I like wrote all these down. I'm so proud of myself. I have to get through these. I really will try to keep us on track here. But um, actually, like, guess I want to know a little bit. You've talked about this kind of a lot, but like, was there ever like a moment, I guess, like, what was the... Was there a specific moment of like, oh my God, this shit is fucked up for you with the... COVID world, whatever you want, the new normal, the new normal that we've been in since 2020 that is persistent. I don't think we should call it pandemic, I guess, anymore, because that's <laughs> whatever. It was, it's still it's still going. Whatever it was, it's still going. There's different phases. When did you realize we were in that? Yeah. Um, well, it was quite a journey for me. Um, I was, I was kind of late to the game as far as like when most people in this dissident crowd or whatever um kind of figured it out but yeah i did kind of have an aha moment um so but i guess i don't know god it's such a i mean without even getting into where i was at politically before the i was live but not like a democrat but kind of like bernie and then you saw what happened with bernie and i was like fuck this shit and Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, um, I didn't like Trump and I thought, 
I thought it it was jarring to me when he got elected, just primarily just because I didn't think it was would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also kind of had a real red pill moment during the Trump presidency, just seeing like how hysterically it was all covered versus like what was actually happening, which was basically nothing mm-hmm. uh, or nothing like different from what had happened before. Totally. Um, and then, so yeah, then COVID happens and, um, it was weird because I had been, <laughs> this is such a long, uh, roundabout answer to your question. That's what this show is. It's one big loud roundabout. Um, so yeah, like I, I started off 2020 feeling good. Um, I was kind of, uh, living the past decade was like my twenties and I was like a party guy, basically. Um, I, I'm a DJ. And so I did a lot of stuff with that. And, um, I was kind of starting to just settle down a little bit. I quit drinking in 2019 and a few months later I got, um, married and then was planning on having kid like a a kid in 2020 and um I was just like yeah no like I'm gonna keep doing the music shit and like be but like not be serious about it you know I got my my wits about me now you know and um and so but at the same time I was also stressed because I was like experiencing feelings that had basically just been like covered up with a bunch of booze and stuff for um, 10 or 11 years or whatever. And, um, and I had been running around, I have a job, I was doing the music stuff and whatever. And so at first when they announced the, the pandemic or whatever and lockdowns. I was almost like, all right, I can, I'm kind of cool with this. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I, you know, I'm, I, I don't have to feel like I'm competing with all these other music people and it's mm-hmm. all just kind of on pause and I can chill, you know, like, yeah, so, they put that into the marketing for like, it was meant to feel that way too, I think. So yeah. You yeah. Wanna- yeah, so I, I I didn't question it too much at that point. Um, um, however, basically my two best friends um, uh, pretty immediately like figured out that it was a psyop and that the whole thing was bullshit. <laughs> and um, they would they kind of would like talk about that, but I it. I, they were like living together in this high rise in Chicago and, um, and they're both kind of crazy, you know, I thought, I thought it was just, kind of, yeah, I thought it was just kind of like cabin fever or whatever. And like, Party uh, Monster. have you ever seen that movie? I don't know why I picture that, but sorry, your friends, I shouldn't call them met out like freaks but like i'm picturing these met out freaks that are just like driving each other crazy like hyping each other up constantly and so this is like i mean that was my life basically too 
I'm not a Matt Dow freak, I promise. But my husband, like, when you're like, hold up someplace, you become a Matt Dow freak, regardless. Because Yeah, no, honestly, I didn't even fault them for it. And, and like, I, I love these people, you know, with all my heart. So it was not like a... Right, oh, right. Kind of like, okay, like I, they're, they're kind of cracking up, you know, they're losing it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's obviously like a lot of people fell for it, but I, I was just like, well, you know, like, let's just see what happened. And, but now it's like looking back on it, I can't believe that. Like, 15 days to slow the spread. Right. No, that, yeah. Yeah. That, that I kind of was like, well, it's so funny. I missed so much of the original shit. I had COVID when COVID was debuting. Like I was, it was early March. I was very. So did I, I think yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did. Did you ever yeah. get antibody tests after? No, but I've definitely had it like a million times. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've had it now. So like, yeah, as vac- as as a vaccinated person, I have had COVID multiple times. Well, I've had it once only severely though. I only had it that one time, the original Wuhan strains. I like uh-huh. to say, you know, that was, um, which I also, well, I don't want to go into it. I think I had SARS one also because the only other time I was that sick was in 2002. Like it was crazy. And um, we literally like, so sick that time in exactly the same way like it was really wild um anyway so yeah i think I, missing that programming i guess though you kind of like i feel like we slept through it maybe uh but it kind of took for you i guess still but it was everywhere though too it's, it was very much reinforced right in your world i'm sure like the yeah, i don't i mean at the time like again i was always skeptical of the government and everything like i didn't think they were good people but i didn't i didn't think that they were capable of like that scale of an operation i guess mm-hmm. um, so um and and then actually interestingly my wife's mom um at some point uh facebook messaged us a link to the pandemic um <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna get her on this show i'm so excited <laughs> sorry go on yeah. So, and, and, and even then I was like, we kind of like convinced her, I was like, well, you know, like I, like my take was like, okay, Fauci's this big, like government guy. Like he's probably not a good dude. I'm sure he's done some shady shit. Like I thought it was maybe more like he kind of fucked over Judy Mikevitz and like, she was maybe just like mad about it or something yeah. like that. Sure. Kind of sure no. And she, I mean, she comes across as crazy. She's classic counter narrative. Like she's uh-huh. like picked for that. I don't even the other guy who'd made the documentary. Mickey Willis or whatever. Yes. He's like a living meme. Like he's just it the whole thing. It's all very um ancient aliens kind of on History Channel aesthetic and vibe. And that was like, and that was the official, oh, you're gonna it was the QAnoning of it. It was the January 6th thing of it in a sense. It was like, oh, you're gonna believe these people. Meanwhile, all those legitimate looking people and sunny people were just being bumped off left and right and silenced. You know, it's 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 masterful. <laughs> I know, I know. The whole thing was really uh, masterful, honestly. But so, anyways, basically, I developed this theory because I realized pretty quickly, like some of the basic stuff, like COVID wasn't basically dangerous to anyone who wasn't like extremely old or sick. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. 
And so I don't know, I wasn't like personally worried and I, and I saw that it was a big overreaction, but I thought it was to, you know, the typical media, like if it bleeds, it leads kind of thing. Like they're making a lot of money off it. Everyone's just sitting at home and looking on their, you know, TV and whatever. And, uh, and obvious, and basically I thought that it was kind of being used cynically by the Democrats as a way to make Trump look incompetent and mm. make him lose 2020. Yeah. All so, these correct assessments, by the way. I yeah. went, like, you weren't wrong. There was just so much more to it. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the setup where then once the vaccines came out, mm-hmm. I... I was never like an anti-vaxxer or anything. And so I just kind of thought, okay, Biden, like the, the, basically Biden won this election. They're just going to roll out these vaccines. Now they're going to make it look like Biden saved the day with the vaccines and mm-hmm. this it'll all be over. And so that, that was kind of like my, but I realized it was shady. So this was kind of like, okay, like this is kind of my, how I see it playing out. And so then I got, I got vaccinated. Um, I didn't even really think about it. I was just like, give me my life back. Like I want, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, again, I just didn't think that it would be what it turned out to be. But anyways, then what it seemed as though my prediction was turning out to be true. Like, I don't know about um, where you are, but like in Chicago, everything got pretty much like pretty normal that summer after the vaccine rollout. Mm-hmm. And we're like partying and just kind of like all this pent up energy was being kind of released and like feeling good. And I was almost kind of like with my friends who were like, this is shit is a psyop. I was like, mm, told you so kind of thing, whatever, <laughs> you know. But then my so this is the long road to my aha moment which was um when the mask mandates came back to chicago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or to illinois i guess um it was in, like in fall of 21 august yeah the same here it was in august and then i was just i don't know it just like dawned on me i was like oh shit like this thing is not going away Right with the boosters, right? I think they came out almost, it was like the boosters were coming out and they're like, oh, and then there's a mask. You could see it probably yourself, I'm sure. Like it, the traffic being laid set again, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. It was just like the masks thing for me. I just, it just, I don't know what, it, because I, it just hit me that like, I was wrong. My thing about like the, the just the Democrats using it to to oust Trump and the bringing in the vaccines as a way to just put it all to bed. It just wasn't happening. Like they were trying to keep it going. Yeah. Or it did happen, but that just that wasn't it. It was not a period. It was a comma, you know. Yeah. And I would say again, you weren't wrong per huh? se. You just I think it's a reflective of like your uh rationality but also kind of good nature probably that you didn't suspect that the government was uh, orchestrating government slash at all <laughs> was uh, right. orchestrating like a demo side and then also you did realize you were wrong and you assessed and changed your your perspective like that is what i would expect people to do in larger numbers it actually is a really rare quality so like congratulations that, that didn't happen to a lot of people yeah 
Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, I uh, attribute a lot of it to my friends, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, that's been the main lesson, honestly, um, is, is don't, yeah, get sucked into any ideology or any, um, like one specific version of what's supposed to be true because it's probably not. <laughs> exactly. That's what I kind of like about our little thing. It always feels like mafia and it's like our little thing we've got going <laughs> over here, like our little corner, but it is kind of nice to have no boundaries or definitions because it's like, whatever, like it's kind of nice. It's like, I don't know, like puddle jumping sort of is this metaphor I have for it. I guess like we all can just kind of get mixed up and we have, everyone has these opinions and thoughts. They're typically like kind of like, I guess, heterodox or whatever, or unorthodox, but they're not like, there's no binding ideology. Nobody's right or wrong. Well, we're, we're all correct, but like, there's no, nobody's like wrong. You know what I mean? It's a very, it's something I've never actually been able to experience, but I've yearned for my whole life. Like cool people that can just hang, like, you know what I mean? Like, so it just can like be outside of like multiple boxes at, at once, I guess. I don't know. I appreciate that about our little thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, I mean, that's what I even like I try like obviously I'm not like a big pharma person. I don't really take any like pharmaceuticals. Um I mean, I guess I take like aspirin or Tylenol or whatever on occasion, but um but at the same time like I I don't I get why some other people might want to or it could benefit some people. You know what I mean? I'm not like people should just do, you know, be informed about everything, but like, yeah, like there's no, there's no dogma. Exactly. Yeah. This show is sponsored by Moderna. I should probably, (laughs) (laughs) I, that'd be amazing. Moderna money. But what is Moderna? If I was sponsored by Moderna, it would just be sponsored by the Pentagon. It's I I really like, I cannot do what's really bothering me lately is like, Pfizer was giving kickbacks to the government to keep them quiet or like, we're going to get Fauci. Like he's the architect of all this. And it's like, no, it's like fundamentally or incorrect framework. Like there was no kickbacks. The government was giving the kickbacks to the fucking pharma. They're subsidizing so much shit. And when you start to get into like the fucking like meat and potatoes and the legal weeds and the money, it's daunting. First of all, I don't blame people for not wanting to do it, but it's annoying to see like kind of this counter narrative, like, ping pong wrap up uh, kind of Woody Harrelson con job that we're getting. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. And yeah. Dr. Robert Malone, and he's going to be like this, like vindicated hero. Like, fuck that guy. I'm over Dr. Robert Malone. I yeah. don't know. Once it became, I mean, I guess it was always obvious, but it, 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 at first he, the shit that he was saying about the vax was like, so like real, it was like, damn, he yeah, seems yeah. kind of legit, but, but no, um, was, yeah. Yeah. But he's also, it turns out, like, deeply, like, this, I don't think people are even aware, like, George Webb is this, like, journalist who's done a lot on his work, um, Housatonic, this, like, streamer has done a lot of really good research. Like, this guy is still basically in deep state. Like, Robert Malone is, he's the private in the private part, public partnership, you know, like, I don't know. It's just wild to me. And yeah, you're right. That's why I actually think like having what we were talking about earlier before, like the ability to kind of assess these things, like there is good information that Robert Malone had, like his performance, I will call it on uh, Joe Rogan was like, it was important. There was, it, it was a significant moment, but it's also like, 
there's a lot more to it, you know? And it's like, you, you can't really, we can't really make heroes out of these people, I feel like, anymore, but we can't really demonize them completely, like, necessarily either, I guess. Yeah, and the the reality is we'll never know exactly what is in his heart or whatever, you know? I'll find out. No, I'll find out. <laughs> All right. I mean... I'll let you know. <laughs> we, can, like, we can look it up. I'm pretty sure there's a database, uh, the galactic database. We can, we can honeypot him. We could do it the old-fashioned way. That's true. I feel like he would be... I mean, he probably has already been honeypots, possibly how he's in the situation. <laughs> in. I, I shouldn't... I don't know. He... I feel like, like, Judy McGivens, a lot of these people are kind of, like, useful idiots to it. And it's a horrible term, but just, like, are not really necessarily aware of the extent to which they're being stage-managed, I guess, from afar. And I can see how easy, like, it could be to co-op somebody without their knowledge like i just it seems not that difficult to me i guess to to trick somebody into working for you without their their knowledge i don't know oh for sure absolutely you did it to me like now i'm part of uh, a enterprises <laughs> i'm sitting here uh, and so it's, it, it's it's possible people i'm just saying story because it is a little bit amusing but maybe just to me uh, when a originally reached out to me to invite me to join his podcast i had i was familiar with thoughts and prayers i'd listened to the episode with um fitness feels about the moon and it was really awesome and i think i'd started another episode a couple weeks had gone by it wasn't a cue i was you know i was a fan uh getting ramped up i will say it like that and then um a reached out and I was like, oh, it's there in my mind. I'm like, it's like the gay podcast. And I don't really think, I just, I guess, assumed because like he was obviously gay that the whole show was obviously gay. And then um, I feel I like I sound a little gay or like, don't know. I don't think so at all because especially not in 2023, like <laughs> I'm not so gay in 2023 somehow, like the Overton window has shifted. I am shocked by what they're passing off as a straight man nowadays. It's out of control. <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know yeah no i think i just i mixed up well because you were a low iq moron so i'm listening and also because even if there was even if i've been smart enough to think that it could be a straight person and a gay person together on a podcast like for the first time talking about the issues i still don't think i would have known it was not cute because of low iq moron i realized and so i embarrassingly was just like Hey, A, I love your gay podcast. I normally hate gay people, but I will come on your gay show and talk to you faggots. And um, turned out after like almost after right after sending them, like listening to an episode and you're talking about your wife and kid. And I was just like, oh, it's a straight gay, like cooperative. And I was just really like mind blown. I'm still am. You can see I'm, I'm riveted, but I also kind of um, was embarrassed because I called you a faggot and it was like you know it's one thing if it's just like between gays but that's rude and so i apologize no, it's honestly i i was not offended i um 
I, in many ways, feel like an honorary gay. We can get into that at some point, but I don't know why I have a, a lot of gay friends and stuff and party people. Maybe that's part oh, of it. Sure. Um, but um, burn down your basement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Or flood it. I guess I can't remember what. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, yeah, and I just wanted to say that I think your, uh, um, your inaugural appearance on thoughts and prayers was a big turning point for the podcast as far as engagement and just, yeah, like feeling like it was more of like a thing rather than just like me and Q just like recording our conversations that no one's listening to. So I feel, uh, pleased that this all, the stars aligned and it was it was you were there and it was um it's chemistry you were you guys were doing the formulas there was another formula the equation happened and we hit the like we hit one of those keys on the calculator that you don't really know what it does or understand and now it's you know who knows what will happen but it feels for me what was really exciting was just to like well first of all i realized a it's like great to talk to people who've been through these same experiences of like just this the journey right the journey to new normal um but also just yeah like i don't have like a lot of like friends or leave the house often so like if i could trap people into like talking to me that's also good but it was really like affirming and it was nice and i felt again truly there was a moment during our conversation where it was like it was actually we were talking about 2021 we were talking about like kind of like all kind of having this like kind of realization around the same time about like the sinisterness of the the magnitude, I guess, kind of. And it like clicked for me and I still feel like this. And it was that something was happening. And I was like, well, I was like meant to talk to these people. Like we were, we were, we're on the flight 615 or whatever from lost to the TV show that I'm obsessed with um, recently again, because I, I, I guess I'm on it. Like, I feel like we are on that flight and we're on the island and we are like, we, it is a good metaphor because the island is what we felt like in a lot of ways. I feel like, uh, we, I don't know, maybe not because we were not crazy, all the like environment, confusing, not illogical environment that we're all like randomly thrust into <laughs> yeah, with lots of backstory, especially uh-huh. when I'm involved. I'm speaking of like the scene, I guess we'll say like, I know. I guess I see you as a producer, and I have some questions about production. Um, how do you produce a podcast? I'm just kidding. I, was, I actually, at one point was like, maybe we could just go through other episodes. You could give me notes. That would be a really great episode. Um, but do you see yourself? I guess first of all, do you identify as a producer? Um, I guess, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I've produced a fair few things in my day. I um I, I guess yeah we don't have to go into detail in your experiences there but I will say yeah, that I'm not going to make you use that as my pronouns or anything but in- pro slash do sir <laughs> I feel like um I feel like you're qualified to answer questions on production in my opinion I was I mostly wanted to confirm that uh, because I do have some you you are kind of the producer of. I don't know. In a, way, in a weird way, I feel like I've been casting a movie with my interviews here. I don't know how to describe that either, but there's like these roles and they need to be filled. And so like the producer is a role that needs to be filled. It's in one of the most important roles on a production. Um, what makes a good producer of like a record versus a good producer of a podcast? Are they the same? Hmm. Um. Hmm. I mean, I guess there's similarities and differences. Um, I feel like a podcast is a lot less 
produced, I guess, or at least like the way that I, Q and I do it. Um, it's, it's more, you know, it's not like arranged really. You just kind of sit, roll up and like hit record and do it. I mean, you have maybe some of the things you're going to talk about. Um, but, and then producing a record is, I don't know, much more, I guess, kind of involved. Um, but I think in both cases, you have to have like a vision, you know, like, I think you're kind of the person who, I mean, not in all cases, but um, in many cases, I think the producer is kind of like the creative um, or like the auteur or whatever. Behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have that on the sheet. um so yeah i think that applies with both like music and the podcast and and obviously i mean i'm not saying taking all credit for that like q is a is a a partner but like yeah just having a like a just like what like something that could be that isn't yet there you're like so i should also yeah i should say this like there's producer like engineer kind of technical producer production where you're doing like the the cutting the editing the mixing etc there's also like producers that are kind of like uh the rick rubens i feel like is one of these where they just kind of sit there and they're like do it like this or kind of like um like a tv producer where they're just like uh sourcing content doing the research so i really feel like you both are producers of the show in like definitely because you're both like you're you are the show you're producing the content um but and but then I feel like because you are the straight male, you're obviously the producer because just for technicality, it's not he will understand like that piece of it. Um, but you are both producers for sure. And I was actually like, yeah, that was a question. It's just like, um, yeah, no, like one of the first few that? times recording, he literally couldn't even figure out how to turn on his computer. So <laughs> well, I diagnosed gay at a very early age (laughs) i struggle the last case of the last episode with q i don't know what the fuck was going on i don't know what the fuck was going on and i'm not going to blame my stupid faggoty tendencies here because it was bizarre a like there as a chunk of the episode i don't do a lot of cuts either every time i try like something goes wrong and i feel like it's basically the heavens are like no you have to just leave it in there raw and be an asshole and stupid as a person who's not really always effective at communicating, I'm tempted to just slice and dice the whole thing and slow it down and make myself palatable. I think, and you're, I think you're a highly effective communicator and it, perhaps an, an over, over thinker, over analyzer. No, fair, enough, fair enough. And there's a chunk of episode that was missing. And I do like to splice some music in. That's basically why I started a podcast. One of the top three reasons was to be able to do it. I love, that's my favorite part of your podcast. I, thank you. I appreciate it. I didn't, Invented. I did steal it from NPR and it's like you should do it too because it's really it's fun it's like I don't know you get to uh get thematic like I'm very autistic that way so it's like oh let's like make a whole thing out of it um but there was a chunk that was not coming through and it wasn't muted like you could see it in the workspace like it's there you can play it back it's playing fine but then when you export the file it's not there and it was definitely a very spicy chunk of the episode i will say we talked about <laughs> crazy things i did uh disclose you know the homosexual boy rape by freemasons uh many many times actually as a child i have a lot of horrible stories i need to share we'll do a solo app on that one but i do feel like um what was going on there do you think do you think i could be targeted could i be 
gang stopped audio wise like what's going on with that or do you think it, it was- it, okay i mean it it honestly is kind of crazy because that happened with on your thoughts and prayers recording when you started talking about the aliens controlling everything the, the visitor i will i should back up to because like and then you got you got they they just dropped you from the feed or whatever so i guess it's fair to say i am being gang stalked once again this is not cool because i mean i did live through this in the bush years and so um terrible news for me thank you for your that was um <laughs> I think I was cut out for streaming, to be honest, the more I think about it, not podcasting, but you know, here we, here we are. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Question I had though about, about producing that was adjacent to this was who are the great auteurs of pop? Who are the great producers in your, in your mind? Um, well, I mean, there are, I mean, there's so many, but Obviously, I think you have to shout out Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even just like, obviously, if he just did those like Michael Jackson albums alone, that would be sort of like master, you know, tier. But uh, he's yeah. on. Yeah, he's on the hit maker. Or, you know, what I mean, it just like he I don't know. He just nails it every time he's. Kind of what's a Quincy Jones record you should Jones. know that isn't Michael Jackson? Like, what's a fave? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, there's just so many. I don't know. He does a, a version of Summer in the City that I love. Ooh. Um, but there's all kind of disco era stuff. I know Karita. Um I have disco questions for you on this list, actually. Maybe I should ask you what's uh how's the disco obsession going? I, I you recently mentioned um a, a disco obsession. Not obsession, maybe that's harsh, but flirtation. Yeah. No, I, I have a disco obsession, but I have for that's been a thing for ye, like ye, uh, years. Disco, uh, pure disco, disco one, disco two, house music, all of it. Yeah, all of it. But it started with just like the uh, disco, like I, you know, whatever Donna Summer and like all the beat, sure. whatever. Um, Park, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but yeah. So, but I okay. I started off as a rock guy, and so I played guitar, and I was like in a kind of riot girl band kind nice. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> And so that was like, I don't know, I, I, you know, I didn't really think too much about disco or dance music, but like I was no dancer or anything. So I wasn't, um, but, um, then one time I took the first time I took ecstasy, I, had like an awakening basically where I like became like one with the music at the, you know, my friend was DJing and he was doing like an older friend kind of, and he was, uh, it was playing like tons of disco and stuff. And so after that, it was like kind of almost like a red pill type moment or like a, just a total shift. And yeah, like, Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, I have to say, okay, so you you became you're a disco punk, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, yeah. That's the term like that is a trajectory. I like I kind of was yeah, I was on. I will say this 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 whole enterprise, the backlash zine started as like a way of um like I was with a bunch of scenesters in Santa Cruz and it was the uh, the, the most insufferable like awfulest time in the history of music. I will say because it was like 
uh, post nineties grunge and like Brooklyn was just blowing up. And so it was like, everybody wanted to be the next Brooklyn and everyone there thought they were. And it was like, it could have been probably, but they didn't pick that one on the, the wheel of the uh, industry. <laughs> and so I was, I was just like, well, this sucks. And I rediscovered this like whole like dance movement. It was like kind of like punk adjacent. It was, they called it electro clash at the time. It's a stupid name. We made fun of it. Then that was what the zine was about. was like making fun of like attempts <laughs> to capitalize on movements and like, a scene and just be kind of um splashy i guess about it but anyway it was annoying because people wouldn't dance those scenes you know you know how Uh dance and like people people break away and so this is a spiritual there's a formula my italian friend like who's a dj like bestowed this upon me he was like you need four things for a party okay what was it it's oh um gay (laughs) Uh, art check and beauty check that's a great list (laughs) so you need you need like the you need the gay dudes to hold down the dance floor basically Mm -hmm. and and you need the drugs i guess to hold the straight people on the dance floor chemical binding (laughs) yeah yeah. and then you need the art people to just be like aesthetic and whatever and like concerned with like cool music and then you need the and you you just need some hot bitches you know that amen that really is all you do need um it's really funny that applies actually very well to yeah the world that i um i left that I left rock and roll for, I guess, or like didn't even really because it came to. It was very annoying. All those people were like totally into this. Was like yeah, like right, um, like just after like all of these stupid bands like broke, and then you started to actually have like in the mid two thousands like this like um, in L A especially there was like this very like hipstery dance club. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Dim Dim Funk. What was the name of it? Dim Mac. These parties. Um, those at Steve Aoki's parties. There's a there's a whole movement that kind of came in the legacy of that. But I'm gonna sound like um to run off if I go too far with that. <laughs> uh, the point being, though, is that it's so funny. So this club that I was associated with, Club Fit. like a fed or something, kind oh, of? The whole EDM, the whole thing, well, the whole record industry, but especially EDM. The reason there weren't raves in America and the whole thing took off uh, later was because they it, they it didn't have the right criminal or enterprise organized here to run it. Like there was, it was because it was organic. Like that's one of the movements uh that I think was really very genuine, especially in the United States, the, uh, the rave movement in like the nineties, I feel like it was outside of the gatekeepers and they didn't like it. It was uh, shut down and appropriated. Um, anyway, a recent guest when Spendy Williams, Spendy O. Williams uh, was a veteran of the same club that I went to from this kind of movement. Oh, like, whoa. like it's a spiritual thing. There's a, a, a rock to disco pivot you know um libtard maybe to red pill pivot it's all it's not all one thing but it's yeah no that's honestly quite interesting yeah i there's something that i don't know i want to know like i don't know i just i'm fascinated by what what binds us all on this strange flight you know that i'm piecing together i do feel like i i'm on, a man on a mission you know um and so it's it's then thank you i feel like i you helped connect me with my mission to be tr- truly honest like it all came together and so and now we're all on the mission together which is- i think there is something about disco like that like you said i think uh, like the a universal rhythm kind of thing i don't know it's transcendent. When you said you had an experience um, like that, kind of like a communion, it's, yeah, I, 
I've had that without being real, not, not anything, I guess, but like very lightly intoxicated, uh-huh. maybe say very just like loose. Uh, Cause I would, I would, I am a dancer. I love that feeling. I love like just losing yourself. The best way to do it too, is to wear sunglasses. Cause you can shut your eyes and just be like completely inside of yourself. And it's like, it's truly, I think it's spiritual experience. That's smart. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It is. It looks kind of like yeah. it's, it's pays off. It's worth it. If everyone did, did it, it wouldn't be a big deal. So like, um, it's not, but yeah, you look like you're trying to make a statement. It is kind of shitty. <laughs> never. Um, do you write songs? Uh, I do. I mean, I produce music. Um, I've never been much of a lyricist. Interesting. Uh, I mean, sometimes I do, I can do like a vocal or something, you know, like a line more so than like um, verses and a chorus or something. You know? That means you are straight then because I all poets are faggots. And so that, <laughs> and actually that is true. Like I always say like I have a straight sensibilities. I have possessed both straight and gay musical sensibilities. One of the straight ones is I don't... I don't notice lyrics. They don't occur to me always. Like they're very like yeah, secondary. I know exactly what you mean. And that's very like a guy thing. I'm also like a bad grocery shopper. It's all kind of like, those are like some of my straight tendencies. And so it's, um, it's in that same lane, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's a disco record that you would boogie to on a Sunday morning? Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a stupidest question. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, the I was gonna basically just shout out my, um, I mean, uh, possibly all time favorite record is uh, "Get Down Saturday Night" by Oliver Chatham. Uh, I know it. You probably know have heard it, but um, that so it's it's about Saturday night, but I think it would work just as well on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. I think actually, in fact, the uh, song shouts out sunday morning as well so. perfect it's like dawn you know saturday night sunday morning very fine lines to distinguish especially when you're a party you know what i mean like where does one start and one uh begin i guess anyway um thank you for weighing in on the n-word thank you um is it harder who has a harder time fitting in with like right-wingers uh blacks jews or gays <laughs> who is the most detested and honestly you- i think uh, i think jews yes okay do you want to elaborate um i don't even think they're uh, i think i don't know there's they don't i mean people just seem very like suspicious of jews and it's kind of hostile i guess i yeah i've noticed that actually i will say in, in right-wing circles i think um i think you're right and i think it well, first of all they're right-wing like what is that's uh-huh. all, they're all a bunch of libtards a lot of them are big butt fucking faggots so you're right i don't think gays actually have that hard of a time i don't think blacks are even mostly trying I mean, that's our like this whole scene that we're in not that you necessarily call it right wing but i it's right there's there's a right wing component to it um and 
a lot of that is gay guys. So I, I agree. I wouldn't have said it. I wouldn't have thought that necessarily before, but <laughs> it's pretty wild. There's a few like base trannies, some really deranged faggot, right wing Nazis and like, a bunch of like really other awesome, cool people who came along the way to um, round it out. Does it feel weird? Do you, do you like feel a weird type of way about being labeled right wing, whether that's even an accurate description or not? I mean, I do not consider myself right wing whatsoever. I don't even really know what it exactly means at this point when people talk about it. I mean, like being anti-vax, I guess that's... Yeah, you're pro cigarettes too. I feel like that's pretty right wing. But like even like right, like like a politician, like a right wing politician is not talking about like pro cigarettes or anything, you know. But no, it's true. It, but yeah, I guess the right wing Twitter, that's a that is like a take that's on there. I feel like there's definitely a headline somewhere that's like right wingers are bringing back cigarette smoking. There's a take, there's a headline for everything. It's it's really it is isn't that wild just like everything is right wing that i hate i just but i i don't mind being called right wing because i'll just be like i i'm not like what do you you know it's like exactly and i feel like it's yeah it's hard because you just have to like I think that's a big blocker for a lot of people are these names and they don't see it. You can, you can get over it in one context and then not in another, I guess, sort of where it's like, I know I see a lot of people who like went through a whole bunch of anti-vax journey shit and like have stuck up for all this stuff now being like, kind of just wrong on other issues, I guess, sort of, or just, I don't know, kind of willing to, you can kind of see that they're willing to just go along with whatever comes next. I don't know. I predict a bunch of people taking a negative ramp in, in the near future from, or the, the, these, this whole thing will become something very. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm concerned about that too. And I feel like I don't, I feel like I won't fall for it, but I feel like that's the trick is like getting everyone to feel that way. <laughs> I think what I, there's this movie called Hype that's about grunge. And like, I think what we should do is like in the 90s, some like girl who worked at like, kill rock stars or one of those labels just like someone from the new york times called her and was like what's the grunge slang and she like made up like all this bullshit it was like oh the blah, 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 blah. like all these fake places and they printed it i think it was vogue actually they printed this whole like grunge style guide and i feel like um, when the media starts coming for uh whatever we might have that they want which they always do we'd be prepared for epic trolls and just to destroy them uh we switch from like no name mode to like a new name every day mode you know what i mean like just has to be an operation yeah i feel like if they can't if they can't keep us separated like i don't know banning people and stuff like like if if they can't keep us from communicating there's no way to stop it because we we can be kind of like always like bouncing shit off each other and not Mm -hmm. just like following along with whatever bullshit counter narrative trap they're trying to you know we really are stronger together. You're you're absolutely right. And I think they do. It, it makes me nervous. I, that's why it's like I try to keep, I, I'm glad that we're exchanging contact with each other and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Just because like if Twitter or the, even the internet goes away, I feel like we're going to need to like find ways to start up email threads or whatever we do in our um, dystopian tomorrow. I guess. Decentralized networks, you know, like, yeah. From the producer's mouth, but it's exactly. I think that's exactly the uh, the right mode because, yeah, it's just about ways of um, power is such a corrupting force. Why not just decentralize the influence of it and give everybody a little bit of it and their own agency rather than 
hoard it and you know traffic and um pollute and murder and all the other other things those intergalactic fraudsters are always up to um i don't know do you think i can get judy for this? she's pretty crazy but i think she'll talk to I, honestly i bet you could book her to be honest <laughs> i wonder if she has aol i probably if i can find her aol i feel like i can probably connect um <laughs> I, I just want to say again like it's just yeah i genuinely just appreciate you i'm so glad and grateful that i got to know you thank you for being in my life it's so corny um but like, I just, yeah, it's great that we're like on the same timeline because there's horrible sirens going and this is ruining my moment. I fucking hate ambulances. They're such attention seeking horrors. It's very annoying. Okay. Um, hey, I want to just say thank you so much for the bottom of my heart. Genuinely, you are, you are a bro. You're a dude. It's so nice to like have you in my uh, life and in my family of friends, we'll call it in the internet world, which is what the kids are, are definitely referring to it as. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thanks um, for being here. I do appreciate it. And um, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, no, you're, you're so welcome. Honestly, it's an honor to be here. I am such a big pool house fan um and big supporter of 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 here comes the backlash so um uh it's a it's a beautiful way to spend uh an hour and change so thank you and uh yeah you can find me i guess on twitter um at, at low iq moron and um yeah um just don't get mad if it turns out I, I start gaining some IQ points with this fluoride. You know, it's it, it's a grift. You'll you'll figure it out. If all these faggots can pretend to be right wing trad husbands, you can figure out how to con a few people into thinking that you're still the low IQ moron. No, I'm you're just not. Like, the brand, you know. <laughs> exactly. Commit to the bit, okay? 